Welcome back to Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us the conclusion of his message, What a Way to Go, from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Elijah's departure from this life in a God-sent chariot of fire, sweeping him up into heaven, is marvelous and miraculous and a model for what the rapture of the church will be like one day. Even as far back as the Old Testament, God was already preparing his people for the day that he will call us home. What a way to go that will be. Here's Pastor Tim. How would you spend your last day? This is how Elijah spent his. So the two things I want you to see, first of all, is that Elijah's last day was meaningful. But then secondly, Elijah's legendary departure was miraculous. His legendary departure was miraculous. We read in the very first verse that, that he's going to enter into, into heaven. It says, by a whirlwind. And, and, and then we read there in verse number 10 that you've asked this hard thing and now it's, it's about to be so. And then we get to verse number 11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly... A chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. It's miraculous. A miraculous departure. Let me give you these three things. Number one, Elijah was succeeded by a prophet. Elijah had told Elisha, you have to see it. You have to be here when it happens. And he was there. He saw the whirlwind. He saw the fiery chariot. He saw the fiery horses come and get him. And he received that double blessing, didn't he? And even in the midst of that, it's the sons of the prophets who will recognize that Elisha is now standing in the shoes of Elijah. Let's read it. Look, if you will, in verse number 12. Now Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and bore them and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were, who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground down before him. So Elisha saw it, didn't he? And he did indeed receive that blessing. When he tears his clothes in grief. He picks up the mantle in hope, in a future, knowing now that he is indeed succeeding one of the greatest prophets who's ever, who had ever lived. And it's those sons of the prophets who recognize that. In... Old Testament and even New Testament culture, 
the eldest son was given a double portion as an inheritance from his father. The reason the father would do that was to make sure that that son would succeed him, would take over the family business, so to speak, would take dad's place and dad's position. That everything that dad had worked for up to that point wouldn't end when his life ended, instead it would continue on. That's the picture that you have here. Elijah is not Elisha's biological father, but he's his father in the ministry. Those sons of the prophets are going to school. And Elisha went to the school with Elijah. He got to see him perform miracles and got to be there at so many of those and even got to be there at his death and see that or at his uh, being taken up into heaven. You get to see that. Elijah was succeeded by a prophet. Number two, Elijah was swept into paradise. He was swept up into paradise. All right, let's keep reading before I even make any more comment. Look, if you will, verse number 16. Then they, that's the sons of the prophets, said to him, that's Elisha, Look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or into some valley. And Elisha said, You shall not send anyone. Verse number 17, But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send them out. Therefore they sent 50 men, and they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to Elisha, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, Didn't I say to you, do not go? So the question becomes, where is Elijah? This fiery chariot has come down and swept him. Where did he go? He's not on the mountain. He's not in the valley. Your Bible gives you that clue both in verse number 1 and in verse number 11. It says that he was swept up into heaven. Into heaven. Into paradise. Same way that Jesus tells that thief today... You will be with me in paradise. The same way that the Apostle Paul says, I know of someone, he's talking about himself, who went up into the third heaven. Why does he call it the third heaven? Because the first heaven is the sky. That's where the birds live. The second heaven is space. That's where the planets live. The third heaven is heaven, and that's where God lives. It's paradise. It's the very place of a homegoing for the believer. For Elijah, it literally is rightly called a homegoing for him. That chariot came and took him without seeing death. We get to see Elijah again, don't we, at the transfiguration. He shows up and makes sure that, that those disciples know this is Jesus the Son of the living God, and there's something unique and special about Him. Many people believe that we're going to get to see Elijah again as one of the two witnesses during the tribulation period. These guys look for Him, but He's not there because God simply took Him to be with Him. I'll give you one last truth for tonight. Elijah was snatched 
as a picture. It's not just for him and for Elisha and for those 50 students. It's not just for them to know what happened, it's for us. It's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. Something that, is, something that happened in our past that's to prepare us for something that's still in our future. This is a picture of the rapture of the church. Suddenly, a chariot of fire separated with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. It is a picture of what's coming. Turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament. Let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. You'll notice that in verse number 13, Paul says to them, I don't want you to be ignorant about the rapture, about the tribulation, about those things that are coming. Sometimes we're willfully ignorant because we don't want to study those things. We think somehow that they are frightening. God doesn't give us the details that are in Revelation to scare us, but to give us hope. In fact, if you look at the very last verse of this chapter, verse number 18, Paul says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. The, tribu- the, the, the rapture of the church is supposed to be an encouragement and a comfort to the church. Now look at what he says about it. Back up to verse number 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. What we look forward to experiencing... Elijah has already experienced. He knows what it's like to be called. He knows what it's like to be caught up into heaven. See, the church in in Thessalonica had been told something that was not true. They were told that if you die before the Lord comes back, sorry, you know, you missed it. You know, you're not going to get to go to heaven. Which makes them think then of their mamas and their daddies and their grandparents and people that have gone on before them. What about them? That's why Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. He says, the dead in Christ, that's those who were believers when they died, he said, they rise first. What does that mean? What does it look like? Well, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If a believer dies, what do we do with their body? We bury them. They they either turn into ash eventually or they turn into ash immediately. And their bodies are, are in the ground and rotting away. But their spirit, who they really are, is immediately in heaven. And will be there with Him. But in the rapture of the church... That body, even if it is scattered all over the world, God's going to raise it back up 
And the Bible says that when he comes, those spirits come, those bodies come, and they are reunited into a body that is fit for eternity and a body that's fit for glory. But don't lose heart. That's them. They get to go first. Then what does he say? We who are alive and remain, we being Christians, believers, who are still alive at the time that the Lord comes back. What happens to us? These bodies are not fit for heaven or for eternity. This body is barely fit (laughs) for the life that it's lived up to this point. You know, it's got to change, right? The Bible says that which is mortal puts on immortality. Immediately transformed body and spirit, rising to meet the Lord in the air. And here's the most comforting part of them all. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now you're not through. Seven years of incredible heartache and devastation and judgment will be going on on this earth. For some people likely that we know. Certainly for those who are alive and remain. And then it's all going to come to a close at that battle of Armageddon. All those troops marching all the way across that Euphrates River. By the way, Sean and I were talking about this this week. Did you know that the Euphrates is down 60% of its water output? It's already drying up. They're going to walk over on dry ground and have a battle that is so foolishly devised that they know and believe that they are going to battle with the Lord. The Bible says that He's going to come back. in the second coming, not the rapture of the church, but the second coming. And He comes with one weapon, the word of His mouth, the sword of His mouth, and He simply speaks victory. And those 200 million troops that have marched over to Israel are defeated with just a word. And he says that he's bringing us with him. We get to come. That'll be something to see, won't it? Now he's coming with one weapon. You know how many weapons you get? None, because he don't trust you. No, that's not why. You get none because you don't need them. You are there simply as a witness to see that the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. You get to witness that He has spoken a word and defeated every enemy. And then we get to go to glory. What a wonderful, wonderful day. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. Do you know... I mean, do you know that when that day comes, that to be absent from your body will be to be present with the Lord? Do you know that you know that you belong to Him? In Elijah's words, you've got to see it. You've got to experience it. Do you know that you know? If today were your last day, what would you do to make it more meaningful? 
I don't have the answer to either one of those questions for you. But you should. If you need to come to the altar and talk to the Lord about that, if you want me to pray with you about that, I'll do that for sure. Lord Jesus, may your spirit speak to the heart of every person that we might know that we know that we belong to you. That one of these days when you do come for us, we're ready to go. There's nothing else that holds us back. We're ready to come home. Father, should you tarry your son's coming, and we simply wait, help us to make the most out of every single day that you give to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to join us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at church office at BritDavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.